Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Chrissy Russell's four-year-old son has been diagnosed as having a severe learning disability and because of it, he's non-verbal. Chrissy is with us on the programme today to talk about dealing with this as a parent and the difficulties as well, trying to navigate the system. First of all, Chrissy, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Tell us about Finn. Oh, Finn's a wee dote. So he is. He's, if you saw him, you'd smile because he's just got the most lovely wee face. He's got chubby cheeks and a big smile. And uh, oh, he loves the outdoors. He loves swimming. He's very sensory. He loves snow. And uh, he's just a, a happy little mm. four-year-old in many ways, uh, except he, he can't really communicate in the way, I guess, a typical child could. When did, did, did that first become apparent, Chrissy? You know, it's such a strange one. And funny, since talking to other parents, they've found the same thing. Finn, there was nothing unusual about him at all. He was hitting all his milestones up until about one and a half, two. Um, You know, he was saying words. He would say, Grandpa, he'd nod and things when you'd ask him questions. Uh, And then just, it was like, I say suddenly it all went, but it wasn't suddenly. It was more just like it leaked away. And then he stopped talking and he stopped having kind of the response when you call his name and skills that he'd had just just vanished, um, which was scary. And it was during mm. lockdown, so it was quite isolating at the time. Anyway, I wasn't really, you know, comparing him to other kids, but there was that sense where I, was like, I knew because I have an older son as well. I was like, no, this isn't right. Like, this certainly shouldn't be happening. So when you say he's non-verbal, he, he did previously communicate and chat. Yes. No, I mean, it was the usual kind of one and a half stuff, you know, it's yeah, a yeah. Um, Words ball and, yeah. and, you know, it, it's a, <laughs> it was quite funny. Next door used to have a very um, non-dog-like looking dog. It was a very cat-looking dog. It was a bit <laughs> wet-looking. So he used to meow at it when he saw it, which always used to make <laughs> us laugh. But then it was just that engagement. It was it was suddenly as if like there was just like a wall or a curtain came down around him where he just wasn't engaged and, and the speech went. And it's a funny one because I was trying to get this across in the article that I wrote for Life magazine. Mm. He's classed as nonverbal, but he does have some words. Uh, but it's such, it's such a strange one. You could ask him what his name is and he couldn't answer you. He couldn't say, Finn, or what age are you, or any of those. He, that just doesn't seem to mean anything to him. And yet there's strange things like he watches this program, Go Jetters. And if you asked him, you know, to show you a picture of the Eiffel Tower, he could go there and point to it. So, you know, cognitively, some things make sense for him and others just don't at all. And when you say, you know, that this sort of became apparent or you you started to notice the the change in in communication skills during Uh lockdown, did you put that down, Chrissy, at the time to, like, I suppose kids were, you know, they, they couldn't mix, they weren't mixing with others. There was, as you say, that that people were isolated, more isolated. Was was that, like, I suppose, did you realise maybe the extent of it when it started to happen? I don't know, yes, because I've looked back at that and sort of thought, should I, did I, should I have noticed something sooner? But I, I don't think so. And I knew myself that it wasn't right. I don't know. I know people always say, oh, mum's instinct and stuff. But I do think you kind of know when some like just play a steep inside where you're like, no, it's almost just like a chime or something. You just know that it's not quite as it should be. And it was the fact that he had lost skills. I mean, it was the nodding and things and pointing and, and all the things that he had been doing 
I was like, oh, and, and I thought, well, no, look, he's advancing in other areas because, you know, he was walking and climbing. And they always say sometimes, you know, if one set of skills goes forward, the other set, you know, can mm. pause or go backwards. But no, I, I, I knew fairly early on and, and got in touch with, with um, the health visitor and then got linked into um, speech and language and tried to get him into the system um, early on, which I'm so glad I did because every kind of, service provider that you get in touch with then says, you know, that early intervention kind of has the best, is, you know, they're supported mm. best if you get them in early, which is the most frustrating thing because you hear all the experts say that and yet the system's just not geared up at all to get you in touch with those services as fast as you need them. Talk to me about the, you know, it's funny when, you, when I hear you talking about the system, you know, as as it's it sort of sounds like a kind of a a conveyor belt, nearly Chrissy, of you know of a journey that you you kind of start on. Like what what what's what? How has your experience been of that? A mixed bag, and part of me feels bad even complaining because I know so many people who have had so much of a worse experience, which is awful. Do you know what I mean? You shouldn't be thinking that you're fortunate just because it hasn't been as rubbish as somebody else's. But I guess it's well documented that, you know, there's just, there's not, there's not enough of provision of service for the people who need it. And particularly whenever it comes to autism assessment. I mean, we started, now Finn was born in Dublin. We now live in County Down, so it's it's slightly different, but I know island-wide it's the same issues. Mm in delay accessing autism assessment. And we, gosh, now, oh, we were told it would be 15 months, but that must be a good, it's probably a good year ago now already before we get to the next stage, even of Finn's assessment. So, I mean, I don't know when we'll actually get an actual statement saying he's autistic. I mean, I feel in my heart that he is, but it, it's just such a long process trying to get through the different stages mm-hmm. To, to get there. And it's also because then it means that certain services are barred to you. I mean, with school access, there's certain schools you can't get into if you don't have an official autism diagnosis. Um, it, it's, it's, it's hard. And, and what's so hard is, and I've heard this from a lot of parents, is like you have to be the one to fight for your children, obviously, because they can't do it themselves. But when you're you're so emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted, it's very hard to, you know, be the one to sort of strap on the gloves and, and fight to get them the access to the stuff that you know they need. The the the, the diagnosis that Finn has received, I mentioned the um the non verbal element, but he has a severe learning disability as well, Chrissy. Just tell us about that. Yeah, well again, it's sort of a, a complicated one because yes, the educational uh, psychologist has assessed him as operating at a level of a severe learning disability. But again, because I think when he was assessed for that, he was he was three. And it's quite hard, obviously, to assess a child of that age mm. anyway, because you don't know, do they not just want to do the tasks that you're setting them or can they not do them? So it's a very hard one to assess. So the actual medical diagnosis I had from his consultant is that he has a developmental impairment and it's, I don't know, I still don't get much from that. It's still, I still am not clear exactly what that means. Um, you know, generally, if we're trying to explain to somebody else what's wrong with it, we just say he has additional needs because that kind of covers mm-hmm. everything. But it's very hard whenever, yes, you have this diagnosis and you don't really understand it. Like, 
I remember saying to the consultant, "What is that? What is, what, it? Yeah. is he going to grow out of it? Is it the same? Is it the same as developmental impairment? Is this something that's going to improve?" And um, I don't know. It's, it, they seem very unable to give kind of any prognosis or or sense of of what his development will be. The like in terms of the the, the process or the system as as you describe it and and going through. Um, so it's going through all of, all of that, Chrissy. Like it, you know, j- just on a personal level for you and and for your partner, and like you've another little boy too, isn't isn't that right? Yes, yes. We've got um, an eight year old Tom, and I mean he's in mainstream school and uh, you know, has no diagnosis at all, and he's like he's fantastic. He's so good with his little brother. Like he's so tolerant and patient with him, and he's always the first to kind of step in and say, "Oh no, Finn didn't mean to do that." Like he's lovely, yeah. but. And again, it's one I've heard from a lot of parents because honestly, I can't tell you like the response I got because I was anxious putting the story out there because it is very personal. But mm. I had so many mums and dads and grandparents all emailing saying Did you? that it resonated with them. That, yeah. You know, that was the same as what they were going through and the same challenges and just the reassurance from that and feeling you know, that you're not alone was so lovely. But a lot of us all felt the same guilt, you know, if there are other children who are able, because your attention always goes more to the one, you know, that can't. You know, I always have to watch Finn that wee bit more because, you know, he doesn't understand danger. He could run off anywhere. Um, He needs someone always kind of beside him to scaffold everything he does. And it sort of means that, and of course, Tom gets left to his own devices a bit more. And that's hard. You do feel... You always feel the guilt, I think, there that you know what they've been deprived of. Is is that is that real, Chrissy? Like I've I've heard people talk about it before. You know, I suppose describing it themselves as the, I don't know, is it a, a sibling guilt or a guilt that comes like that with you know, am I given enough you know time or setting time inside you know each day for for Tom or or, or the other kids as well? Big time, yeah. I mean, I, I worry yes, about, you know, the time that I give to Tom. And I, I try, like, Tom loves kind of arts and crafts and stuff. And, Jesus, like, getting paint out around Finn is just a bomb scare. But, you know, it's, it's kind of making myself do it and accept, you know, so that I'm doing something that the older one loves and accepting that the wee one's going to make an absolute hymns of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's a juggling act solidly. But I always just feel kind of sad for, I mean, I'm one of two. I have a, a younger brother and, like, we were like glue growing up, honestly. We did everything together. We were constantly playing together. And I feel really sad that Tom's not got that because, you know, they play together up to a point, but they can't converse. They can't kind of have that shared, right, you do this, I'll do that, let's play this game. You know, we, I feel I always feel kind of his loss of that, that, um, you know, that's just something he's never going to get to experience. Do, do people, Chrissy? One of the things that I know from chatting to other parents, you know, over the years in in similar situations, they often talk about the the advice, if you want to call it that, you know, that that they get from from other people, people they don't know, sometimes people in the street. Like, is is that has that been your experience? It has, and I think <laughs> I, I, I spoke about this one that it's um, the amount of people who I think just want to make it better and come out with things like, oh, you know. Einstein didn't talk until he was five. And I must have heard that a hundred times. And it always makes me laugh a wee bit because I always think, 
why on earth do people think it's more likely that my child's going to be like a, a Nobel Prize yeah. physicist than there might be something wrong there? But I think I think it's kind of innate in people to try and want to fix it or, or give you hope or make you feel better and be like, oh, you know, oh, he couldn't be autistic. He's got good eye contact or, you know, it couldn't be that. And it's just in people. It's not It's not meant, you know, in any bad way, I don't mm, think from ever. From a bad or, place. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, saying, oh, we might grow out of it. Like, you're not going to grow out of autism. I've been told by the, the consultant this is something he's not growing out of. Um, you know, it's unknown how much he might develop, how much independence he might have, how much he might come on with speech and language, but, you know, he's not growing out of it. Mm. Um, so I know that for a fact. But um, I think people just maybe don't know quite what to say yeah. as well. You know, it is, I, I don't ever blame people for coming out with those things, but sometimes it is hard to hear. And, and it is, I mean, I always feel awful whenever I feel jealous <laughs> when I see other kids, you know, hitting their milestones mm. and that. Like I remember, you know, on the, um, Finn went to mainstream nursery and, you know, they were obviously, everyone was getting really excited on the nursery page being like, all oh, right, going into P1, you know, that, it's, different school system up yeah, here. Yeah, of course, yeah. Another, baby another, infants, effectively, yeah, really, Yeah, baby infants. Uh, you know, they're all like, oh, another milestone. And I knew then, you know, Finn wasn't going to be going into mainstream. He'd had one-to-one support in the nursery and he was going to have to go into a specialist setting. And I just remember sort of that stab of, oh, no, you've forgotten that I'm on here and I'm, you know, my child's not mm. like yours. You know, he's not going to hit the, the same milestone. And it is hard. And yeah. it, at the same time, I always feel like, oh, my God, I can't complain because, you know, he's he's happy, he's healthy, he's here. Uh, and so many families are in a much worse situation. So I always feel that then even, you know, the stab of, oh, no, I, I really can't give out because there's, you know, so many more positives than negatives. I, I, I was struck by, you know, the, one of the, the lines, the headline in the piece. I cried wondering, would he ever, ever call me mummy? And I did. I mean, yeah, I just, um, or, you know, saying, you know, night, night, love you and things like that too. And not not hearing it back and not knowing, you know, did he fully understand whatever that means? It's, yeah, like those things are, are hard. Now, I do, I do get, now I get, I, get, I don't get mummy. I get, I get mummies, actually. For some right. <laughs> he puts an F on yeah. the end of it. Um so that did come actually yeah. eventually, which was was lovely whenever yeah. whenever it did, and and that's the thing. I mean, the the little steps you really celebrate. You're like, oh my god, okay, that's amazing. It might be absolutely nothing compared to the rest of his peer group, but whenever whenever he does say something, or you know that there is some back and forth, mm. there's some engagement, there's some exchange there. Oh, you really celebrate that. Like those are big moments. The, the support services, I suppose, if you want to call it that, um, Chrissy, that are there for, for parents and just even, I suppose, have been aware, you know, of trying to navigate the system. Like, is there more we could do? Oh, God, yes. Uh-huh. I mean, particularly in terms of, uh, well, there's not enough school places anyway. I mean, that's well documented. There's just, there's there's not the provision. There's not in terms of things that are close by. It's I mean, it's woeful. But then also the outside school stuff I mean so like for example last summer there was a wee summer scheme running but we then had to pay for Finn's one-to-one support from the nursery to go with them because there's nothing I can put him into that would be 
suitable for him without mm. having one to support. So, I mean, there's not, there's very, very little whenever it comes to that. Um, so your outside school provision is shocking. And then the really depressing thing is that once you're out of school ages, it gets even worse. I mean, supposedly there's there's absolutely nothing really that you can, um, well, I didn't say nothing, but it's, it's very, very limited in terms of support once you leave kind of the school system, which is quite scary when yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah. think, oh, so this is as good as it gets. Um, and again, I think it's just that it's a very vulnerable group. You're talking about kids who can't advocate, obviously, for themselves. And then parents having to take on the job of fighting for support whenever there's so many other things to do as well. And yeah, I mean, I just think it's sad. I think it's it shows a real lack of compassion that it's a, a group that's so poorly provided mm-hmm. for. Chrissy, I, I I think you've actually you've you've done a real service for for people um in sharing your story because I know it is something that that resonates with a lot of people and I think it's important you know to highlight it and and to talk about it um and just to in in sharing your experience so I want to thank you for for joining us today on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan, brought to you by Avant Money, weekdays at midday on News Talk.